Hello again, friends, and welcome back to another edition of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast. This time looking at Mid-South Wrestling Television from January 29th, 1983, as taped on January 19th, 1983 at the Irish McNeil Boys Club in Shreveport, Louisiana. This week's show hosted by Boyd Pierce and Paul Bosch, and of course this week's podcast is brought to you by myself, the great Brian Last, and the man who joins me each and every week from booking the territory, Mike Mills. Mike, how are you today? Hopefully doing better than uh, the state of this episode. Yeah, man. Uh, let's talk about it for a second. First, there's no Hank. I don't see Hank, so I don't. I'm I'm assuming he's not there, and I just didn't miss him. So no Hank again. Well, you didn't see uh, him last week, and this is part two of that television right. taping from last week, January nineteenth, nineteen eighty three. Exactly, exactly. So um, we're on Hank watch, and I just wanted to point out, yeah, to the point you made, this is part two of that taping. So no Hank again. And you are right. Unless you and I babble a lot here, this is probably going to be our quickest episode. Uh, There's not a lot of meat on this bone. No. You know, I I looked at the notes you sent me, and it had your timestamps. And usually you and I independently put together timestamps, and we've said it before. Nine times out of ten, they match up. Sometimes there's something you have that I didn't have. Sometimes there's something I had that you didn't have. But other than that, they almost always match up. You had almost nothing here. And I had your notes before I reviewed the show. And I said, okay, this is just a case of Mike being hard on Paul Bosch. Because <laughs> Mike isn't a fan of Paul Bosch on commentary. <laughs> I have to say, I like him a little better than you do. But there wasn't much audio to pull from Paul Bosch's commentary. And I was looking for interesting little things. but. A lot of those interesting little things were in the middle of long things about arm bars and crotch holds. Yeah. And I, let me, I, w- I want to say that because, like, with, I think people take when I, um, I, 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 when I say I'm not a, a fan, of, I'm not, it's not that I'm not a fan of Paul Bosch. I'm talking about when you compare him to Watts on commentary. Paul Bosch is great. What he does is he calls the match. And that's it, pretty much. He really doesn't give a lot of stuff that's going on in the background. He's not really telling any stories. He's not going off on a tangent like we've learned with Bill Watts. And I don't mean just a tangent about, um, you know, other angles in the in the promotion. Bill Watts goes off on everything about all the people he's meeting. And he's running into this guy at the airport and talking to Terry Bradshaw and this guy and that guy and another guy. You know, Paul, like. Watts does that. Paul Bosch is he's calling it straight down the middle. I mean, he's literally like a just your normal sports commentator who's not getting too excited and just calling it calling everything straight down the middle. I, there's no other way to say it. He's good. It's not that he's bad at it, but he's he's just just like honest Abe, straight down the middle. No other way to say it. Yeah, he explains what is happening like a retired ball player would on a broadcast. Because yeah. he, you know, like you said, he calls it like a logical sport, like a real sport. But he explains yeah. things. You know, this is what's happening here, and Renesto needs to do this now, and this is what I would have done when I was wrestling, and this is what Horner... Like, it, there's a lot of that. It's a lot of, you know, what at that time was retired ballplayers when they became commentators. That's what they would have sounded like. And, and, and to, to the point you're making, that happens nowadays on... If you watch Fox on uh, NFL Sunday, I mean, if you're watching NFL football games, a lot of a lot of these these color commentators are former ball players. And if you listen to them commentate they're, they're they'll break down the plays in the way that Bosch is breaking down the moves and, you know, holes that people are in and saying what could have happened and what should have happened and why this worked well and why it didn't. It's the same logic 
It's just Watts doesn't do that nearly as much on commentary as a guy like Paul Bosch. Paul Bosch, that's like his sticking point. He does that consistently, and he's calling it, like you said, the former grappler who's been doing this for 100 years. I know it's not 100, but he's calling it straight down the middle, and he's got it lined up, and he's telling you what the guys need to do to get out of each hold and where they're going next with it. So he's good. It's just different. It's different, and it doesn't really – it's not really conducive to – finding good clips to pull because it's just him calling matches calling moves like it's sport but let's go to this show open boyd pierce and paul bosch and we'll get a little bit of audio here and hear what's going on on this week's episode of mid-south wrestling i'm your host boyd pierce and a lot of exciting action signed by matchmaker grizzly smith it'll be headlined by a north american heavyweight championship match as Stagger Lee defends his coveted title and belts against the challenge of Ted DiBiase. Mr. USA, Tony Atlas from Roanoke, Virginia, is here. Also, Chavo Guerrero, the fine Latin star from Mexico, takes on a rugged Matt Bourne. It all adds up to 60 minutes of wrestling excitement. The men to tell you about it, 34 consecutive years as commentator for Houston Wrestling, also the top promoter in professional Matt Sport of Wrestling, it's Mr. Paul Bosch. Paul, welcome. Boy, thank you. I still have trouble getting this thing over my cauliflower ears. <laughs> we're going to have a lot of good action tonight, and I think we're going to get right down to it. The first event is in the ring, so let's go for the introduction. Well, there it is, Mike. A simple enough introduction. Paul Bosch was really struggling getting those headphones on if you watch the video. <laughs> it's the second time he's done that. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to jump over you, but that's it. I think I think that's the second time he's done that. I, I want to say like one of the first times he was on, he had that same. It was literally like almost the same clip, almost. Yeah. Now it's a joke. Now it's a running gag. They're probably like, hey, Bosch is coming. Get the small headphones. <laughs> but we get <laughs> an opening match Bosch. here: Tim Horner versus Tom Ernesto Jr. with Rick Ferreira as the referee. This kind of sets the tone for the show, Mike. There's nothing inherently wrong with this match. The crowd does kind of go really quiet, though, eventually with this match, because it goes on a while, and it is a guy who hasn't typically been pushed in Tim Horner against Tom Ernesto, who hasn't really been around in a while. But this sets the tone for the show because there aren't a lot of big matches. There aren't even a lot of squash matches. It's just a lot of underneath guys having competitive matches. Yeah, I couldn't have put it any better. It's it's your underneath guys, mid-level, mid-card even guys. They're having... I'll call them lengthy matches by TV terms. Um, obviously not if you're in the arena. These things would go a little longer, but that's exactly what it is. And there's nothing flashy here. And again, to what we said at the very beginning, it's just Bosch calling the holes and moves and how someone needs to counter. And there's really nothing else to really discuss. It's it's not bad. It's just your normal run-of-the-mill match that you see on TV with no flash or no sizzle to the stake. Like I said, the crowd got quiet. Bosch puts Horner over on commentary, and Horner ends up winning with the Fez Press. We then get it's a weird cut to the desk. Something was weird with the way they did this, and it isn't just the WWE Network version. This is the way it was in the original broadcast, where they cut awkwardly to Akbar and Boyd coming out of commercial at the desk, and it's almost like Akbar's mid-sentence or mid-paragraph and whatever he's saying, but he says, let's go to this videotape right now, and they go to videotape of Kamala versus Iron Mike Sharp from Houston, Texas, December 10th, 1982. Mike, any thoughts about this match? Akbar does commentary over this match, and that's a whole nother level of subdued. I don't know what he was going for with the commentary there, but he's very, very subdued there. Any thoughts about this match? Obviously, Kamala just destroys Mike Sharp. Yeah, Akbar, my notes were Akbar 
could have put you to sleep. If you were to like put this on your TV and you were having trouble and you were having insomnia that night, put this on and you'd go to sleep. Akbar's voice was that soothing. I mean, he's he's just literally low talking about Kamala. There's really nothing much on the commentary. And you're right. Uh, Kamala, he didn't win like instantly, but man, he put it on Mike Sharp and, you know, Sharp got next to no offense in it. Kamala defeats Sharp with a splash to the back. And that was it. He bloodies Mike Sharp up and at one point starts licking the blood off his hands. <laughs> I mean, they yeah. were they were really getting this guy over. It's just this African savage who's a potentially a cannibal. So <laughs> there you go. But then we get something. This is a main event match. It's supposed to be Ted DiBiase going against a North American champion, Stagger Lee, with Jerry Usher as the referee. But things don't go according to plan. Let's listen to some audio here. We want to make mention that for historical purposes, we're going to apply the original audio here at a certain point, and you'll you'll hear why in a second, just so you can hear the genuine reaction of the audience and the actual reaction as it took place. Let's go to this audio right now. And now a title match for the North American Heavyweight Championship. This event is for one fall or remaining television time. In the red corner at 268 pounds, from Omaha, Nebraska, a former North American heavyweight champion, Ted DiBiase. And it seems that Ted DiBiase has a couple of seconds in the ring with him. Stagger Lee isn't here. Stagger Lee hasn't showed up yet, but I've got someone else that wants to challenge Ted DiBiase, has challenged Ted DiBiase in a come-as-you-are match. What? Well, you heard that. Stagger Lee has not made it to the arena. Settle right down to this because Junkyard Dog making his first appearance here in a long while, more than 90 days, is suddenly besieged by the entire Rack Pat as he fights off Ted DiBiase, Duggan, and Matt Bourne. And here comes Tony Atlas, here comes number two, Mr. Wrestling number two, and now suddenly we've got a six man gang war going as Duggan gets out of the ring, and there goes DBS, and there goes Bourne. And up in the ring, displaying his ability for the first time in more than 90 days, is Junkyard Dog, whose friend Stagger Lee failed to come into the arena tonight. For whatever reason, we are not certain. But Junkyard Dog said, that man has done enough for me. I'll do something for him. And he offered to take the place of... Stagger Lee. So suddenly we have Junkyard Dog returning to the Mat Wars, and that means excitement. That's excitement, Paul, and while we try to restore order here, we'll be back with more action. There'll be standby matches after this word from Mid-South Wrestling.
Well, there you hear it, Mike. And that is some great stuff. When another one bites the dust hits after Grizzly Smith comes out and says Staggerly isn't there, but someone wants a come-as-you-are match. And that music hits and DiBiase just reacts like, oh, no, oh, no. It is so good. It is so great. DiBiase just getting screwed once again by the dog returning is some great stuff. I love this. This is like DiBiase saw a ghost. And, you know, for as bad as he believes he is and the Rat Pack believe they are, look, don't don't ever be mistaken. They are afraid of dog. They, They do not. They, they talk a big game. They're the heels. You know, it's all teeth and gums and smiles and laughter. But at the end of the day, they are afraid of JYD. Don't let them fool you. That's why they were so mad about Stagger Lee. And that's why they wanted to get him unmasked so that they could prove it was the dog and send the dog packing for a year. Never happened, though. Don't be mistaken. They are scared. And you heard that. When he let out that belting, I can't do it like you, Brian. Y- yell it again. Oh, no. Oh no! <laughs> he was, he in his in his his reaction to it, like his facial expression, body motion, and movements. He 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 sells it well that he's like, uh, uh-uh, I cannot believe this bull crap is about to happen. This man is back. This is some bull crap. And JYD comes in and he's fighting DiBiase, and then Born and Duggan join in. But then Atlas comes out and helps clear the ring and. Look, man, JYD's back. And and the one thing you don't see, the music hits and, you know, we hear the cheers, but the kids and everybody in the Iris McNeil are up on their feet. They they see the dog and they are excited. DiBiase's fantastic here. Let me ask you, Mike, when you look at the dog here, do you already see any of the weight gain? That oh, yeah. In 1983? Because I, I do, but I don't know if it's his outfit or if it's just me projecting where I know things are going to go. But what do you see? No, you, you, you see it. it. It's, it's slow. I mean, it's hard when you watch it week by week to the point you're making. Um, and, and, I, and we've, we've kind of talked about it a little, it's kind of hard when you see it week by week, but when you, if you were to even in clothes right here, turn this, like go look at late 81, early 82, you see the difference. You can see he's starting to, He's starting to even more than smooth out. I mean, you could see the the guts come in and and all the little things that you end up seeing later on. You you start to see the 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 weight coming on because I mean, I mean, you think back to eighty one and then even early eighty two, we were like, look how jacked and ripped he looks. I mean, he was never like like Ultimate Warrior type ripped, but he was he was built like a tank and cut. I mean, for for his standards and yeah, you could see it right here to answer your question. He's definitely packing the pounds on right here. Once he had that bodysuit, once he had that staggerly bodysuit, it's almost like that's when he stopped working out the way he used to. I mean, obviously there were some other issues that were going on in his life with drugs or whatever it may be that really started around this period of time, but he looked one way before he got into that bodysuit and he looked another way after he got out of it. Yeah, and, and you're gonna you'll you'll start seeing it now over the months and you know year ahead, man. You're really gonna start to see it, and it's it's like it's not terrible at first because he's a dog and every we all loved him and yeah, you saw it, but you didn't think nothing of it. But then it feels like even though he gains it slowly, I just remember one day tuning in and going, "Damn, he got kind of fat." And then and then the thing is, Brian. When I say, oh, he got kind of fat, he even gets fatter. That's the part that, like, starts to break your heart in later years. Like, you're like, oh, God, he really got big. I saw a press photo from the WWF in 1987 the other day. 87. So, I mean, that's not too far away from 1982, 1983. 
And it is crazy. I mean, that's also when he made the mistake of he shaved off his beard. He just had a mustache and he had no more fro. And it looks like a totally different guy. Totally different energy. Doesn't seem like a badass. I agree. I, I, I've seen many of those press photos from 87. And I agree. When, when, the, when the beard left and he was looking really chunky, it, it, it was, yeah, it was sad. Well, coming out of that hot angle, Mike, we get another match. Tony Atlas versus Don Bass with Rick Ferreira as the referee. I didn't have any notes from this match, Mike. Do you? Um, not really, man. I mean, it was better than Tony Atlas versus Tug Taylor, but I I, I don't have nothing else from it. If you recall that, <laughs> uh, I don't have any, I don't have anything from it, man. Tony Atlas wins. That's what I got. He wins. He does a headbutt off the second rope and then a splash to his downed opponent. Coming out of that, we get a big tag team match. Kelly Kaniski and Marty Lundy versus Buddy Landell and Tony Torres with Jerry Usher as the referee. Any notes about this match, Mike? Um, the finish was a little messed up. Kaniski throws Torres into the corner and Torres flies backwards all uncoordinated and like, I don't know, it was just weird looking and then Well, it uh, started before that. If you notice before that, it, it's like a it's like a one two. Torres sends Kaniski into the rope and ducks over to do you would think like a body drop or something. And yeah. Kaniski just runs straight into him and knocks him down. I don't think that was supposed to happen, but it ended up looking cool. Just like the big guy just like running right through the little guy looking for the back body drop. But the fans reacted to it. And it's right after that, they go to the finish. And once again, Kaniski, I think Kaniski was in the wrong place. If, if I had to guess. Uh, pr- yeah, it was all, it was very squirrely looking. <laughs> the, the, the back, the mess back, the missed backdrop, which was Kaniski's fault because Torres goes down to give it. And then it was just weird when Torres fl- flies out of that corner and hits Kaniski. It was, it was all <laughs> just really discombobulated. But yeah, I mean, that was my only note. I mean, Kaniski pins Torres and the team of Kaniski and Marty Lundy win. Back body drop coming out of the corner, I believe, was the finish. And then. We're about to get our next match, Chavo Guerrero versus Matt Bourne. But before we get going, Ted DiBiase interrupts, and luckily for us at home watching, the man he interrupts is Reeser Bowden. So we get some great visuals from Reeser. I encourage you to check out the video of this, but let's hear the audio right now. This event is for one fall. Before you introduce this next match, I got something to say. I'm going to get to the bottom of this junkyard dog. Stagger Lee thing once and for all. Now this is two times they've tried to railroad me. Two times I was supposed to wrestle for the North American title against Stagger Lee. One week he doesn't show up. The first week that Junkyard Dog shows his face. And the next week he doesn't show up tonight. And here comes the Junkyard Dog again. It's very simple. Junkyard Dog, Stagger Lee, Stagger Lee, Junkyard Dog. They're both the same person. Now I'm taking my lawyer's and I'm going to the president of Mid-South, Charlie Lay, to matchmaker Grizzly Smith, and I'm going to get something done. I want a match with Stagger Lee or the North American title around my waist next week. If it had been any other, anybody else, he'd have had to forfeit the match and give me the title, and something's going to be done. You don't have to worry about this snap because I'm going to take care of him. Well, time will tell. This event is for one fall or remaining television time. Well, there it is, Mike. Again, another fantastic fired-up promo by DiBiase. We understand why he's upset. We may not care because he's the heel, but great promo. And again, visually, 
Reeser just making his faces for the camera while DiBiase's angry and yelling. <laughs> Great stuff here. When DiBiase said they're uh, Stagger Lee and JYD are the same person, Reeser yep. looks at the camera and raises his eyebrows and <laughs> kind of smirks. He just can't help himself, man. He's just it's it's like i don't know i don't know how to explain it it's like when when a, when a, it's like it's like he's got a string in his back and when a wrestler says something that's compelling reacher this the string is pulled and and the smirk comes out it's, it's i have to mute myself when you play those cuz i i'm i'm visually like thinking of reacher in my mind and laughing my tail off it's it's rather great but i mean not to talk about that and focus on research, but Diviasi is great right here. I mean, he's he's fired up. He's sick of it. It which I mean, if you think about it from his point of view as a heel, he should be sick of it, right, Brian? Yeah. However, he shouldn't have screwed over JYD to begin with. Now that is very true. You see that? Hey, uh, did you that's, hear? Me? That's the dilemma of the heel. He has a good point. I, he's not wrong, but he was an asshole. That's what started this whole thing. That's a fair point. Did you hear Matt Bourne? <laughs> He what did was. Matt Bourne say? I, I couldn't hear exactly what. I thought he, it sounded like he called Chavo a gnat. That's what I heard. Okay. That, I yeah. wasn't positive. He said, don't worry about it. I, I'm going to take care of this gnat. I'm like, what would do? That's a new one. He called Chavo a gnat. All right. Um, I, I'm not sure if that's a, like a derogatory term to call a, a, a Mexican fella. I, I'm not really sure, but he called him a gnat. Uh, so there's that. Yeah. He called him a gnat. Well, we do get that match. Chavo Guerrero versus Matt Bourne. Once again, Paul Bosch on commentary. Rick Ferreira, the referee. Any notes about this match, Mike? I mean, I don't know. I guess I was expecting a little more. It is a dry episode. The crowd is kind of dry. But I don't know. It was just, it was an okay match. Nothing special to me. They they had a good match. Like the, this is the the old thing where does the crowd being into the match make it a great match or does the match... You know, the the two guys in the ring getting the crowd into it, make it a great match. It's I, I don't know how to I, I don't know how else to say it other than to say I thought these two went in there and they worked hard and they 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 did their best. And uh, it wasn't bad by any means. There was like I mean, I don't remember there being any mess ups or anything, but they go. Part of it was I felt like they went for a long time and you knew eventually the Rat Pack was going to get involved. So you're just waiting. And maybe it's because I've seen it before. You're just kind of waiting for the chaos to ensue because there's in my mind, there's no way when you got a member of the Rat Pack out there that you're going to have an instance where, Oh, it's going to be clean. Nothing, no, no squirrely stuff, no shenanigans at the end. And sure enough, um, what do we have? But shenanigans eventually at the end of it. Well, why don't we hear a little bit of that with Paul Bosch on commentary shenanigans. During Matt Bourne versus Chavo Guerrero. Something about having a man's shoulders, a man having his shoulders down on the canvas. Hard miss, hard miss. Getting both those shoulders down on the canvas seems to inspire the fight in everybody if they are born to be wrestlers. They, that signals to them what to do, how to do it, and they better do it fast. And there is the referee got hit right square in the face with a flying leg. And here is Matt Bourne trying to set up his opposition with a full Nelson, working hard on it to bend that chin. Here comes, here comes the Spearman. And um, it was the feet of the Chavo Guerrero that caught Hacksaw Duggan as he was going through the air and threw him right into Matt Bourne. And Chavo Guerrero came to life. 
He used his feet in, in a tremendously accurate manner and a bit of instinctive coordination that sent Matt, uh, that sent uh, Hacksaw Duggan head first into his opponent. Here's Tony Atlas, and Atlas is coming in here to get him. We, we've got the referee still out on the floor, and there, there is a high, high body slam, and now they're trying to set up Hacksaw Duggan into the ropes. A double back body drop, and off onto the floor goes Hacksaw Duggan, who come in there to do his damage and almost succeeded. Matt Bourne is down on the floor, on the cold concrete floor, leaning up against the ring. But the winner on a disqualification is Chavo Guerrero, and Tony Bourne can surely take credit for a save and an assist. Exactly, and we are still out time remaining. We'll have a tag team match coming up. Mr. Rassing, too, will be one of the participants right after this word from Mid-South Wrestling. Like, even that, Mike, like, there's an example. I don't know if it's because Tony Atlas isn't over more than he is, but when Tony Atlas runs in, they give him a nice reaction, and he catches Bourne, and he does, I don't know what you would call it, he catches him and press slam off the top rope. You know, a pretty spectacular move for 1983. They barely react to it. Yeah, I mean, there's a few fans that are like up on their feet and they're they're kind of into it. And I mean, you can see them uh, in the bleachers and they're clapping, but it's not that like insane Irish McNeil reaction that we're kind of used to. I, I think I know what you're talking about when it's the dog or even Olympia or two come in and a they're big save. Yeah, just a big save. I mean, they kind of. Yeah. I don't know why. Again, I don't know if it's the crowd or it's the end of the taping or what it is. I mean, they they, they did sit through a lot of undercard guys wrestling each other already i don't know what it is but they didn't really react to that yeah it's 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 just very calm in there is is the best way to describe it i was glad let me say this uh we're talking about that finish ricky farrar is the referee and i was glad it was him taking the bump and not the every single time alfred neely because it's i don't think i realized it as a kid and i've said this before i didn't realize how many times alfred neely would take bumps in these matches i mean i guess it just wasn't one of those things and you kind of analyze things differently as you get older it was so good that it was this time ricky ferrara taking the bump and spilling to the outside and he took a good bump so before all that got started ricky ferrara went flying i like the fact that you know we saw hacksaw miss the spear on um Chavo before and so he misses it again and this time he hits Bourne and not the post remember when he got busted open so I thought that was cool and and uh yeah you're right Atlas then gets Matt Bourne as he's going for the bombs away uh and then Ricky Ferrara comes in and says no 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 DQ 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 Chavo wins I thought oh, I thought it was I thought it was a nice finish but you're right the crowd they weren't as loud and boisterous as normal you know Mike this reminded me of a story from Tony Atlas's book because it involved both Matt Bourne and Hacksaw Duggan let me read this because uh, I got a kick out of the quote from Ernie Ladin here. Or not quote, but you'll hear what it is. This is from Atlas, Too Much Too Soon by Tony Atlas with Scott Teal, crowbarpress.com. It's actually a really good book. And uh, here, let's listen to this. When I was wrestling in Oklahoma for Bill Watts, Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Matt Bourne got into a major fight. Bourne's girlfriend left him, claiming he had been beating her. A short time later, she began dating Hacksaw. Bourne beat her up again. When Bourne came into the dressing room that night, he walked right up to Hacksaw. Words were exchanged, and they began to fight. Ernie Ladd, who worked for Watts, stepped between the two of them. I thought I was watching a scene from The Wizard of Oz, where Dorothy threw the bucket of water on the witch. Ernie's knees gave out on him. They began to buckle. 
and he slowly sank to the ground. As he went down, he was screaming, Tony Atlas, keep these two away from each other. (laughs) There's something about Ernie Ladd sinking to the ground, trying to separate them because his knees are giving out, yelling for Tony Atlas to save him. That made me laugh. I think that's so funny. (laughs) And by the way, let me finish this though. Hacksaw grabbed Bourne in a headlock and got ready to hook his eye out. I reached him just in the nick of time and grabbed his hand, holding it so he couldn't pull out Bourne's eye. Later, Grizzly Smith chewed out both Ernie and me for breaking up the fight. He said if Bill Watts was there, he would have fired both of us for breaking it up. Bill Watts loved that stuff and would let them fight out their differences. So there it is from the book, Atlas, Too Much Too Soon, by Tony Atlas with Scott Teal, CrowbarPress.com. A little bit about the inner dynamics right around this period of time with Mid-South Wrestling. There is something to letting two guys just fight it out and get it over with. Because you're going to settle it. I mean, somebody's going to get their ass whooped and somebody's going to be, all right, well, I guess that's over. Yes and no. In a situation like that where it's about a guy beating up, not only did he beat up, if this story is true, he beat up his girlfriend and then she left him and then he beat her up again. That's, a, that's where a guy can get killed. That's where a guy can really get hurt in the locker room if that happens. Well, there, there's some truth to that. Because, she I went mean, to date it, Duggan. She's dating Duggan and then he beats her up again? Like, if that's true, I mean, that, that's a fight you may have to separate. It's not, yeah. like, it's not like, hey, you stiffed me in the ring. Uh, you know, now let's go at it. Hey, let them go. It'll, it'll fix things. I don't know. That that one may be a step too far. So so you're saying I'm I'm confused. Are you saying that you break it up because I'm 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 confused. Why why are you saying break because it up? Because there are more emotions involved on that level. If Duggan's dating a woman, you gotta think he likes her. And if Matt Bourne, the guy he works with every single day, who used to date her, beat the shit out of her after she is no longer with him and she's with you. And then, according to this, he came up to Duggan in the locker room, went right up to him. Duggan went for his eye. You know, when you're in a fight and you're not trying to hurt someone, you try to knock them out. You know, maybe. Duggan went for his eye. That tells you how serious that was. Yeah, but see, here's the thing, though. If they don't settle it and they're working together, it's going to continue to go on. And by the way, they never settled it because there was an incident before Matt Bourne died. It's on YouTube. Like some indie show, whatever, like, 2005, 2006, Hacksaw Jim Duggan versus, I don't remember if it was even Doink the Clown or just Matt Bourne. I don't remember what it was, but it turned into a shoot. Like nothing happened, but Duggan's in the ring squared up and challenging Bourne to get in there. And it's real. I mean, you watch that. It's real. There's real hatred between Jim Duggan and Matt Bourne. And it's right around this period of time where it's going to start to fester. You see, that doesn't shock me. Um, I've heard... I've heard so many stories about Bourne. I, I don't want to. You know, I'm not trying to drag his name through the mud or anything. I've just I've just heard stories about Matt, and I've heard some good ones too. But I've heard like the now you, I, I'm hearing this. I've heard numerous stories about Matt Bourne, and I don't know, man. I like a part of me says no. Like Watt said, just let them settle it because they're going to have to work together. So, so they need to figure out which one's the alpha and who's not going to take the other's crap. And you know, I don't know. I I, I feel like. Born beat up his girlfriend and now she's with Duggan. Duggan should just beat the crap out of him because he shouldn't put his hands on a woman. Like I feel like that, but I also see your side as well. I don't know, man. I, I kind of 
I kind of want him to just settle it and get it over with in the back and then let's move on. And and then if Matt Bourne is still acting like a, a jackass after, you know, Duggan's whooped him, assuming Duggan whoops him. I, I don't I don't know that's what's going to happen. I'm just I, I would bet speculating. on Duggan. I would bet on Duggan. I know Matt Bourne was was tough and he beat up Buddy Rose a bunch of times, but I would take Duggan in that easily. Yeah, it, it, this is one of those things, too, where it's like, well, this guy's a wrestler. I mean, like, they're both wrestlers, but Duggan's a big dude. He played football. And you're like, I don't know, man. I feel like if Duggan just kind of got on him and laid on him a little bit and, you know, unless, unless Bourne really knows some submission maneuvers and MMA stuff, he could, you know, I'm thinking, nah, Duggan probably could take him. I don't know, man. But I'm kind of pulling for Duggan there just to beat his ass and get it all squashed. That way they can move on. But, you know, Matt Bourne, you hear a lot of stories about him, man. I, I – he seems like a difficult cat to work with or seem like he could have been a difficult cat to work with. That's all I'm saying. Well, let's wrap up this show, Mike. The next <laughs> match, Mr. Wrestling 2 and Art Cruz versus Tug Taylor and Joe Stark with Jerry Usher as the referee. I'll just read right through my notes real quick. Paul Bosch wrestled Ronnie Etchinson, who was the trainer of Art Cruz, before 7,500 troops in the 40s on a troop transport. Andre the Giant will be here next week. And then there's a part during the match where Art Cruz, he's trying, I don't know what, it was like a leapfrog spot with Tug Taylor and then he fell and then Tug Taylor gets up and does maybe the worst drop kick of all time. And other than that, I kind of don't know what happened. Wrestling 2 pins Joe Stark after a slam and then... The mat, everyone else in the match kind of continues like the match is still going, and then the bell starts ringing like the time ran out, and then Wrestling 2 goes for the knee lift again after that and tries to pin the guy. I don't know what was going on. What was the finish of the match? It's something was really, really messed up because our Cruz comes in and drop kicks Tug. Two was in the ring with Joe Stark, and then the bell is ringing. Our Cruz sends in Joe Stark and gives him a backdrop, but the, the referee is like, no, 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 this is over. And the bell's, the bell's still ringing. And then two, two is ignoring all, everything. He's like, no, 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 bro, we still going. And then two hits the knee, knee lift and then goes and downs and pins Joe Stark. It was like, two's like, nah, I'm not paying attention to you, Mr. Referee. I'm still going to hit my finisher. He's completely ignoring the ref. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's like, he's like, no, 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 I'm running this show. You, you get the hell out of my way. And then he pins them, but they don't even – and then it goes off air, so you don't even see if the, the three count is made. But it was a really weird finish. It was like something me- something happened that is messed up there because the bell rang. I don't know if the ref got a cue to, you know, wrap this thing up or something. But it was definitely all kind of weird at the end right there. I mean, and they go off air, and there's technically no pin. I think it's just uh, TV time expires. I think, but I really don't know. And uh, either does yeah. Jerry Usher. But – we're going to wrap up now. This was a very interesting episode of Mid-South. Some good stuff, some just stuff that was there. But as we wrap up, we want to remind you, you can follow me on Twitter at GreatBrianLast. You can follow the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network on Twitter at SuperPodcasts. Of course, we're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash ArcadianVanguard. And you can hear me on the 605 Super Podcast at 605pod.com or available wherever it is that you find your favorite podcasts. Mike. How can the listeners stay in touch with you and booking the territory? Please follow me on Twitter at Mike504Saints. I clip out 
or I post uh, clips of this show sometimes when we have some really good stuff going on. Um, you can also listen to Book in the Territory twice per week on Thursday nights and Sunday nights. Our shows drop and debut. Go to tinyurl.com slash bttpod. I will warn you, we are the unprofessional wrestling podcast for a reason. The language is strong. The jokes are terrible. It's not politically correct, but it's still fun, to, fun nonetheless as we talk NWA Saturday night and Smoky Mountain wrestling. We are getting near the end. I've said this a few times. We're getting near the end of Smoky Mountain. We've only got uh, 35 episodes to go at this point. So uh, closing in on the uh, final months of Smoky Mountain. It's been a fun ride, though. Um, Other than that, a fun episode, Brian. Not much happening, but uh, that'll change in the next few weeks, man. Hey, Andre the Giant next week. Yeah, some good stuff with him. Yeah, and not only that, it's not... I think I don't think it's next week, but it's the week after with Andre that I think the listeners and fans of this show in Mid-South will definitely enjoy. The Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. For Mike Mills, I'm the great Brian Last. Tally-ho!